You're listening to episode 72 of the Broken Glass Podcast, taking the leap from music to animated filmmaking with Kim Cameron. You're listening to the Broken Glass Podcast, a podcast with a mission to highlight women in the music industry through their stories, from their successes to their trials and tribulations. We'll share tools and resources available to you to make your music dream job come to life or to start that business you've always wanted to own. But most of all, you'll be a part of the Broken Glass community where we support and encourage each other and open the doors to working in music. I'm your host, Christy Jacobson, entrepreneur, music lover, wonderluster, and dreamer. Welcome to the show. Today, I have Kim Cameron with me. She is an international singer, award-winning songwriter, and a filmmaker. And welcome to the podcast, Kim. I'm super excited to be here. I am so excited to have you here. You've got a really cool resume, and I can't wait to chat about it. Um, Let's just dive right in. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing right now. Well, I am, as you said, I'm a singer and songwriter, so I just released a brand new single. Uh, it's a dance song. It's called Show Me You Feel, and we're going to, in in addition to that, I, I just did the music video, and the music video, we are finishing up the, like, the last, like, little bits and pieces of it, but we're going to do a premiere here in Miami Beach on February 9th, so that's um, kind of top of mind. And of course, I'm working on some other projects. Uh, you know, I'm continuing to work on a major animation um, feature film. That's really cool. And we'll we'll chat about that in a minute here because um, I definitely want to get into that and how you make those transitions and whatnot. But let's go back a little bit. What? How did you get started in the, the music industry, the entertainment industry, and what really interested you about having a career like that? Well, you know, I have always been in love with music. So I, you know, I started playing the clarinet when I was in first grade and uh, in second grade and played that, did marching band, did orchestra, then got into musical theater, then was in a cover band in high school that, you know, moved me into um, working and doing cover band when I was uh, out of college. It wasn't until 2008 eight, well, actually it'd be 2007, that I had a family member who was going through um, some medical procedures and it wasn't really good. It was like one of those, you know, life or death kind of procedures. And I was fairly emotional and uh, ended up writing down my thoughts and putting, you know, a melody kind of came to my head. And so the guitar player that um, we had, uh, that I worked with with uh, in the cover band, he and I sat down. I said, "Hey, help me put this together," and recorded, you know, on our just like a little recorder at the time. And I said, "Yeah, that's really interesting. I want to see if we can take this into studio and record it." I'd never been into a recording studio before, but uh, we went in, and and it was so much fun that uh, the guy that was really just the engineering booth um, guy who was just recording it for us. He says, you know, you, you, you have something here. He said, you, you probably ought to go get a producer if you really want to do this song right. And he gave me this name of this guy and I contacted him and sat down with him. And I said, you know, I, I, I kind of want to write some songs and record them. And he was just great to, for my very first time, kind of showed me how, you know, original songwriting worked and 
how you record in studio and, and and really taught me something. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is so much fun. I mean, I was super hooked. And before I knew it, I had started writing an entire album. So by 2008, I had released uh, a um, you know nine song album. I, I couldn't believe, you know, I'd done it. And I uh, was like, okay, this is, this is kind of turning point for me because this is what I want to do. So I kind of dumped my corporate job and took my band and went on this tour across the country in a big old bus. And, and we went from there. It was just, it was really, it, my whole life went upside down, but in a good way. But it was, uh, it was all because, you know, sometimes you just get this inspiration. So I can't say I wasn't in music. I, I wasn't in an original project before, but I always had a passion for music and, and I couldn't have imagined not having it in my life. But there's something different when you're doing an original project that just brings out so many flavors that you didn't know existed inside of you. And that's kind of, you know, that, that's how I headed down this path. It's an exciting industry to be part of. And I, I really love that, you know, you're, you're doing something that you love. And I think that's important for everybody to, to kind of hear is that, you know, if, if it's something you love, you can make it work as your career. Um, and, and I think the thing is, is people always say, you know, don't make, you know, your, your career something you love because then you're going to lose the passion for it. But I feel like with this industry, it's just so ever evolving and changing and, you know, you, you get your, you know, inspiration and whatnot. And, you know, it's something that you can do. You can have a job in this really cool industry doing what you love. Um, and I think that's amazing. And I just wanted to, you'd mentioned that you grew up playing clarinet and I did too. So I went through, (laughs) you know, marching band band, you know, I was in the pit orchestra too. So, you know, I really got involved. We're we're sort of um, the clarinet players are the outcasts though, because you know flute players they have all of these electronic flutes that you can you know play on stage and and it sounds really cool, or you can plug into PA systems and and record. But clarinets they just haven't they haven't gone that far. Yeah, and it (laughs) drives me crazy because this could be so cool if you guys would just make it electronic. You know. But, yeah. Well, oh, well, I'll have to, I'm, I'm, I, uh, I work for, well, a sheet music publisher full-time, but, um, you know, have connections in the music products industry. So I'll have to see who, uh, who has that kind of, uh, engineering genius and can, can start working exactly. on that for us. I know. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I played in, um, when I was in college, my friends had started this band and they were kind of just inviting everybody to play. And, you know, all I, all I played was clarinet. I didn't play any other instruments. So like, yeah, sure. Just, you know, come, we'll have you be, you know, in the background and whatnot. <laughs> and, um, that would have been cool to have that. I mean, we were more of like, kind of like a folky band. So having the clarinet really fit, but, you know, I remember being on stage and like, we were trying to mic, mic my clarinet up and it's like, how do we which is this? impossible. Yeah. It's just impossible. Yeah. yeah. So it was, I mean, it was a lot of fun, but you know, it was, um, it's, it's how do you, how do you make this part of a band that's not like a jazz band or something? <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah, no, that's, that's really cool. And I, I love, I love connecting with people on, on instruments and I've actually had a couple of, of guests recently that are clarinet players and I've talked to other people on the phone. And so it's really cool to hear, you know, make that connection that, you know, we all started on the clarinet. We we're hiding, we're hiding yes. in the woodwork. <laughs> 
So I did want to chat. Um, you'd mentioned you released a new single recently. What was that process like for you, especially given um, you know, the current restrictions? And you're in Florida, you said, right? I'm here in Miami Beach. And okay. uh, so I do a, a lot of my own production. I have a studio um, actually in my apartment that I had built. So I'm you know, COVID or non-COVID, I've, I've really done my recording here for the last uh, probably three albums that I've done. So um, that is pretty, I'm, I'm used to that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, uh, this is, I, I've lost count of how many songs I've written, but I have a, a catalog of, you know, 500-ish and so, you know, obviously I have a songwriting issue. I have a, I'm a compulsive <laughs> songwriter. I get inspired and I just, I got to write yeah, a song. And so a good thing. <laughs> it, it is and it isn't. I would say it's um, therapeutic for me to do it and create. And I get this natural high of, of doing it. But the bad news is unless I just want all the songs to just live in my house and not go out, you have all this promotional activity that has to accompany a song when you it's put true. it out there. So, and that's the part I really hate. Like there's nothing more that I hate than having to market and promote my own work. It just, it's just horrible um, for me personally, because it just takes every bit of creativity and just drains it all out. So yeah, it's good. It's a, it's a, it's great. And then it's got this bad curse side of it. So it, right. um, <laughs> I constantly, it's a love-hate relationship I have with songwriting. Yeah. I mean, it, I guess it's good to have that kind of a catalog that you can go to, especially if someone says, hey, I need this kind of song. You're like, oh, I've, I, you know, you might have something like that. But like you said, and especially, um, you know, now it's, it's, it seems like a lot of people are really moving into that single model where they're not releasing the full album. And I'm not sure if you're, you're just doing singles right now, or if you are working, you know, towards full albums, but it, you know, it's, it's, you have the single and then you have to go through the whole marketing process. And then you kind of feel like, it feels like you started over again the next month or, you know, the next three months, depending on what your, your marketing plan is. How did that kind of change for you? Or did you, were you always doing more of the, you know, kind of online sort of marketing, or were you actually going out and playing shows to, to promote your new songs? Um, well, I have switched to the single release market. Um, I, it doesn't mean that I don't, you know, release albums. I did release a uh, children's album this year. And then the soundtrack to the movie was an album that I released this year. So I do still release albums, but on the dance side of what I do, those are all singles. Primarily because people don't really pay attention to albums so much anymore. I find that they, they may pay attention to EPs but not necessarily albums. And right. there's some advantages to releasing singles. It kind of keeps people and fans like, oh, there's something new, there's something new. Even if you're doing it on a quarterly basis versus when you do a whole album, I mean, you're done for a while because I mean, that's a lot of songs and it's a lot of you know, um, effort and, and money and all those kinds of things. Uh, so it, uh, a single is kind of easier and, and a little bit more fun for the fans. When it comes to touring, you know, I, it's, it, it's one of those where you balance. I have a couple of songs from my seventh album that I am always performing consistently because they hit Billboard um, Top 20 and, and people are familiar with them. 
And then I try to slide in some new stuff if it makes sense. I mean, sometimes you're, you're playing um, locations that they really just want some very upbeat dance music. And I have a combination of some deep house lounge stuff and house stuff. So, you know, if, if it's a high energy, if they're looking for like a high energy show, I'm doing all house music and, you know, I'll slide in some house covers along the way. If it's a kind of a low key afternoon, you know, then I'll be doing all of my deep house lounge chill music. And so it really kind of, you know, and that could be new or old stuff. Um, so I, I, I leave kind, I guess I leave the, the promotion of the song to really online versus performing. And especially now that, you know, there are very limited performing opportunities. I mean, we have some down here in Miami beach and around Florida, cause we're a little bit more open, but it's still not the same as when you're doing big festivals and, you know, the big festivals still are, you know, pushing it off another year. Um, hopefully that's not indefin indefinitely, but, um, you know, ultra just got, got postponed uh, for a whole another year and yet we're, we're open. So right. this gives you a, a sense of, I don't know when those festivals come back, which then says, okay, how do you really promote your new, new music, which then puts you, well, I guess I'm promoting it online. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been really interesting. Um, to, to, I guess, really kind of watch the festival scene too. And I just saw Glastonbury got canceled again this year um, in England, but, you know, I, I was thinking that I'm like, I miss, I miss shows so much. I miss, yeah. I miss going out, you know, at first it was kind of like, okay, I'll, I'll stay home. And, you know, now we're coming up on, you know, almost a year since the last show I went to. And it's, it's hard to just imagine that part of our industry just not existing for, well, I guess, you know, some for at least a year and a half. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I saw somewhere, I can't remember where it was, but something about they're anticipating shows can come back in the fall, but you know, who knows where we're going to be? You know, we, we thought this was going to be like a two week thing. Yeah. Well, I remember when they sent us well, home from work, they're like, yeah, two weeks. Two weeks yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and, uh, we thought we would you know, be touring heavily this summer. I'm still optimistic right. on that. I'm still crossing my fingers, but uh, the fact that I'm seeing a lot of people already decide to wait till the following year is not, not a good sign. No, no. And, and that's hard for, you know, I, I can imagine it's hard for you because I know you've had, you've performed a lot of festivals. You've done a lot of, um, you know, things internationally too, right? You, I saw that you, um, you yes. performed in China and in other countries and I think, first of all, I think it's really, really cool um, and an amazing opportunity. But, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that you're used to just traveling all over the place, right? I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, what I, I guess what I worry is that this will become such a norm and people will get used to not going anywhere that it will become harder to go anywhere. Right. And uh, I, I do worry about that a lot. And I, I don't, I don't want us to be as a world in a situation where you go, Hey, do you remember 10 years ago when we used to go to those festivals? That was wild in the day, you know? Yeah. 
that's a little concerning to me now. I mean, things it's getting a little too easy to just push everything off and keep everything online. And, right. you know, I'm sure it makes all the uh, big tech guys happy because we keep using all their stuff. But boy, that's there's something <laughs> yeah. about human interaction and, and, you know, live performance. And I did some live performances when we first locked down on YouTube or, you know, the social media sites and everything. And it's just not the same. It's, you just don't, I mean, both as a performer and as a person watching other performers is the audience. It's just, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Okay. What's for dinner? You know, it's just not, you're, you, you can't, yeah, there's no, you, you can't replace live in person uh, experiences. And I think that's true when you, you know, with the kids that I teach music to, teaching them over Zoom or teaching them over WhatsApp or whatever is completely a different experience and not as effective at all as it is when you are, you know, you're really able to see their emotions. You don't have the computer clicking in and out and internet's working or not working and storms coming and, oh, I can't hear you, you know, and dogs running around, cats running around, you know, right. people all those things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, and I think too, um, from an audience perspective, it can be overwhelming because, you know, you'd only have so many shows in your town per night, but now you've got how many online shows around the world in yes. one night. And I know for me, it was, um, especially when it came to like Facebook and and Instagram lives, it's, you know, I kind of had to pick and choose, you know, who I wanted to spend my time on because I try to stay off social media, (laughs) um, unless it's for the business. And then if it's, you know, performer, cause some, some bands, um, and I'm actually, um, I bought tickets for Jimmy world's doing a three, um, three concert series. So it's like every other week they're doing, um, a full um, concert of their one album. So, you know, and those can get pretty pricey too, right? Cause if you yeah. think, okay, all my favorite bands are now doing these three, three show live stream, or they say it's live, but it's, it's looks very rehearsed and recorded. <laughs> um, yeah. but you know, then it, it comes into the price factor for people. And for me, it was okay. I had, um, Jimmy world and a couple other bands. And I was like, you know what I, you know, Jimmy world is, you know, my favorite out of all of them. So I have to, you know, I have to just choose one. I can't be spending all my money on all these bands. So it's, it's just, it, you know, it's an overload, but then it's also a price thing for people too. And it, it can get pretty, um, pretty overwhelming. Yeah. Um, I, I, I find it, at first, when we first did it, I found the online concerts comforting, but then like, as you, it just became a nuisance after a while. There's just way too many and I wasn't getting the satisfaction. I mean, I craved it at first, mm-hmm. um, but I'd, I'd say after about like month, two and a half, I was like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think that's kind of when, you know, at first, at first, I think in some ways, I don't know if novelty is the right word, but it was, it was kind of a novelty, right? It's, yeah. oh, my, my favorite band is going to be performing live at 4 PM on YouTube and I'm going to watch them. And there are a couple that did it, um, like every day for the first month. And then they kind of were like, oh, we're going to be home for longer than a month. <laughs> and they just stopped and they, they just, you know, would pick and choose when they would start doing it. But I mean, at first it was like, okay, I can watch, I think, um, Ben Gibbard from Death Cab for Cutie did did it every day for a month. And 
Um, there are a couple other artists that I follow that were doing it all the time. And then it was just like, this is longer than we think it's going to be. <laughs> and then at that point you run out of material. It's like, okay, well, I've done all the albums. <laughs> I've yeah. done all the covers. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, I completely understand. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely been interesting and just to watch the the shift, but you, you, you know, kind of going back to like the travel and festival thing, I, I don't know. And maybe I'm just completely different from other people, but I am itching to hit buy on a plane ticket to go somewhere. Yeah. yeah. I have my, like, I've travel plans. Like I'm like, okay, when I can hit, you know, buy, you know, I'm ready. <laughs> Cause that was my, you know, I love traveling and, you know, I would, I would go to, for small festivals, I travel to go to small festivals. So it's like, I just, I don't know. I'm like, I just, I'm itching to get out there again. <laughs> I, I am very much itching to get out there, but I, I try to, you know, I'm trying to be optimistic that that summertime will happen and, and we get to go. That's, you know, crossing my fingers, yeah. crossing my toes. My, my fingers are crossed too. So I, I did want to chat about your film as well. And I, I guess start to start on um, that shift from music into film and, and how that came about for you. Um, and then I, I do want to kind of chat about the film and what that process was like for you as well. I started producing, well, I, my major is broadcast journalism. So I've always been in the video world to some degree, but when I was um, started heavily doing the music videos, I started taking a production uh, producer role into them and after you know so many songs and albums you start trying to figure out okay what's the what's the next thing i can think of to do for a music video because everything's already been done and i started dabbling a little bit with animation and did a couple of music videos with animation and, and fell in love with that process at the same time i started writing a children's book series called superpowers and while I was in my fourth-ish book of the series, I had a vision that I really did want to take those series into um, a full-length animated feature film. I finished my fifth book, and then I said, okay, it's time for me to convert one of these into an actual screenplay and, and see what happens. And so after I'd done that, and, and I had done two music videos with animation, I started understanding the process because it is quite different to do an animation feature film than it is to do a music video or, or to do a film. You know, I, I, I do a side of acting on the, uh, you know, very minimal acting on the side for little films here and in, in indie films here and there. And so I did understand the film process, filmmaking process. But um, animation and doing a full-length animation for feature film is is quite an endeavor. But I was I, I I wanted to do it. I just felt like it was just my next step in and in progression into into my career. And so this film uh, it took to do the screenplay and all of the storyboards took me a good seven months. And then we began down the path of, of uh, I had to choose the right, you know, animators and going through the process and then developing, um, working with a couple of my favorite songwriters and producers to come up with the, 
the music and the sound and sound effects. And anyway, the pandemic hit while we were in the throes of it. And so it slowed everything down because my animators couldn't get to their offices. And these are like ginormous files. So it ended up, you know, what was supposed to be done in June, which would have made it a two year project is now going to be a three year project because of the pandemic, but we're almost there. We're, we're, I, I can now see us just about done. We're, we're just doing final pieces and parts of it. But it was just, um, it was something I had a vision a long time ago, a long time ago, it's relatively, I would say my vision started, um, you know, four years ago, and it just took me a, a couple of years just to figure out how that actually works and what that entailed and what I had to do. I am the producer, director, and screenwriter uh, for the entire production, and done songwriting for some of the parts, uh, but most of the songwriting is done by John DePatty. And then I have a different person who's the sound effects engineer and does all the mastering for the movie. So it's, you know, I did all the vocal production as well for, for the film. It's been fun. I mean, it's been really, really, really fun. I, I can't, I, I'm not sure I could pick between like if somebody said you have to choose between songwriting and filmmaking um gosh i don't know that i could choose that and it's it's a different kind of feeling but it's still in the creative process so it's i was just gonna say it's it's part of the i guess the global more the you know the entertainment industry right and and i feel like our industries just interact with each other so they, they relate, it, they do interact. Yeah. Um, and you know, film relies on music, music, yes. you know, especially when it comes to, you know, music videos and, and that kind of stuff relies on film. So, you know, they're, they're very interconnected. Um, and it's like you said, it's, it's just that whole creative yes. aspect. Right. Um, but that, that's really awesome. And that is definitely a huge project to take on too. I mean, you know, I think it's one thing when you've got, um, you know, you're doing just like live action. And then it's another thing to be doing something that's animated. Um, and I've, I've, I haven't really stepped foot into learning much about that, but, you know, I see, you know, you watch the, the Disney animation, you know, videos from when they go into the studio with them. And it's, it's quite a process. It's a huge process. I mean, the way to think about it is when you're dealing with film, you look at film by the minute. When you're dealing with animation, you look at it by the second. Right. So it's very detailed. It's very tedious. It's, it's, um, you just, it's not, there's no forgiveness in animation and it's, that's what I think is the, of, of everything, it's the, the hardest. In fact, I had, I had a couple of um, directors who, you know, looked at my screenplay and they, oh, we love it, love it. Um, you know, animation's super hard, Kim. Why don't, we could just do this in, uh, in, in film. And I was like, <laughs> but I don't want to do it in film. I don't see it in film. Yeah, we can, we kind of create these underwater scenes. I said, no, I, I don't want to, I don't want to do it in film. And they didn't understand that. Like, they're, they're like, Kim, but animation is so hard. And it is super hard. It's, it is because it is the level of detail that's very different than film. And so I get what they were saying, but I'm still glad I went the animation route. Yeah. Well, and now you've done the hard one first. <laughs> so exactly. Everything's going to seem easy after this. Exactly. Um, no, that, that's really cool, though. And just to, 
to be able to do music and film at the same time, um, because I can imagine, you know, it's such a big film project probably takes up a lot of your time, but then you're also still managing your music as well. Well, we're at, yes, but it kind of goes in because of the pandemic, it wasn't quite as taxing. Like if, if the pandemic hadn't hit it, I would have had to drop one for sure. Um, but with the pandemic, the files and the scenes have been having to be very streamlined just because of the, you know, how much they can do being remote. So it's been fairly easy to manage in that regard. Um, but, you know, hopefully crossing my fingers and toes, I can do, you know, I'll have the ability to do the sequel which would be based on the second book. And uh, then I probably would have to do it full time because it will be a, a quite a bit different experience if we're out of this mess. Right. And fingers crossed we are. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, and so I guess in some ways it, um, you know, the pandemic gave us room to breathe in certain aspects of our lives, right? And um, it sounds like it was, you know, even though it did delay the entire project. Um, it sounds like it really kind of gave you time to breathe and figure things out and, and work on other things as well. Um, when, when do you anticipate it, you know, being completed and, and what are the release plans for it? Right now? I think I'll be done. Um, I mean, hundred percent done end of February and then it's, you know, I have, uh, already several offers on the table and I'll, put it out there to, um, some additional folks, obviously. And then it's, um, you know, whatever is the right fit. And there probably will be more than one because different countries are really interested in it and they have a very different distribution model than the U S. So, um, but right now it's, my focus is to get it done because there's no sense talking to anybody about distribution until I have a product. So, uh, I've done some preliminary and they, you know, reach out and, and I've had them, you know, come back to me as well. And the interest is definitely there. I'm not, I'm not really worried about that part of it. That's, that's kind of the easy part of it. And, and believe it or not, because of the pandemic, it's even easier because people are still streaming everything online, having movies online and a lot of productions, a lot of productions did full stop because they couldn't, you know, they, they just couldn't do it. So right. there is a, a, a real hunger for content. People are, are running out of content because, you know, they obviously they had in their backlog all this, all this film content, but now that's been used up. And instead of having this, you know, backlog that they can start pushing out there, they just, it's kind of empty. Yeah, I've I've been watching some new shows that I know were just recently picked up by streaming services that were filmed, I don't know, a couple years ago. <laughs> Right. And it's, it's like, okay, you know, I mean, they're, they're good. And, you know, there's, there's another one that I'm anticipating in February, but it's like, you know, what are, you know, what are they going to do when they start getting down to nothing? Yeah. So it's, it's going to be interesting. And like, you know, I know people are like, all right, I've already been through Netflix (laughs) and now I'm working on Amazon. (laughs) Yep. And, and there's a lot of the big studios like Disney's one of them Mm -hmm. that they had made the announcement because they got 
you know, basically shut down. Their big bread, bread and butter is the theme parks. Um, right. And they couldn't, they said, well, we're not pre-funding any new productions because we just don't have the money. Right. And, you know, in, in LA, um, I lived in LA till about, um, about a month ago, almost everybody who works in an office is working from home. Right. And I know there are some productions that are up and running in LA, but it's not as much as, you know, there normally is because of all the restrictions. And then, you know, everybody's got to go through all these, this testing. And it's just, it's, you know, the whole city had pretty much shut down for, well, I guess almost a year at this point. So it's, um, it's hard for them, you know, to, to get back up and running right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, it, it, you know, things just might be perfect timing for me and my movie. Yeah. You never know. No, that's exciting. And uh, I can't wait to, to see how things go with it. And uh, when it comes out onto the, you know, whichever streaming service um, it comes out on, um, I'll definitely keep an eye out for it for sure. Kind of shifting a little bit. Um, one of the things that we talk about on the podcast um, is about being a woman in the industry. And um, if there's any obstacles or resistance that you've come across, and I guess, you know, for you, it'd kind of be you know, both film and, and music. Um, have you experienced anything like that? Any kind of resistance? Um, because you know, you're, you're a woman or is it just, you know, the standard, it's just so hard to break into the industry. Well, I, I don't know. I, I would say from a songwriting perspective and, and so far from a filmmaking perspective, I don't have any problems, but I would say from a touring perspective, there's a disadvantage of women because it's, I, I find it more difficult for women to get booked on shows than, than men. And the, it, it's just, I think a lot of that has to do with that the promoters and the festivals are all managed by men. I think they're more comfortable dealing with male artists. They are not as comfortable talking to female artists and booking female artists. Um, so I, I find for live performances, I definitely have seen that as being still a hurdle, but for other aspects, I mean, a good song is a good song. And I don't think I, I've seen any, you know, disposition to male or female and, or anything like that. So yeah, it exists out there. Filmmaking, not so far. Um, now, if I were a filmmaker in a non-family, maybe I would have a problem and, and maybe I have an advantage because I am female. They, they seem to be very interested because, you know, this is a children's animation film. So being a female probably helps in that regard. Right. I didn't think of it that way. Um, you know, as far as, I guess, you know, you think of it when music as far as genre goes, but I guess film, it never really occurred to me that it could vary depending on the genre you're in. I, you know, I have no frame of reference except right. for the one I'm yeah. in, but that's my, that would be my instinct if I were to, to, to guess. Uh, but certainly I haven't had that problem in, in the genre I'm in. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, with, with everything that's gone on the last couple of years, I think it's also shifted and, you know, I, I can feel at least in the music industry, um, you know, there's a lot of support for women, um, you know, there's a lot of groups out there, um, women supporting women. Um, and I think a lot of people, the, the stereotype is that we're, we're all catty and we don't, we don't want to work with each other. Um, but I've had a lot of, you know, support coming from other women in the industry. And I think, 
you know, we, we've, we're really starting to, to make that shift and, you know, everybody, you know, I was it last year, the year before calling out festivals that, you know, had no women on the, you know, roster. Right. And, and starting to see that there are more, you know, I mean, it's, it's still not where it should be, but to start to see more, you know, women getting slots on festival lists. And that is, has been really um, amazing to see. And I don't know if you've had that experience in your, your genre or not. Um, but um, I've started to see that. Not yet. I mean, my genre is very male dominated. Um, I think they would actually do better if they had a few more females inserted <laughs> into it. Uh, but I do agree with you. I think women have finally figured out that we do need to help each other. I think they've, um, I, I have noticed a shift that women are actually like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why are we thinking we have to compete with each other? We do not have to compete with each other. And, but I think it's taken us a while to recognize that, that we should do that. Like there's so many advantages for us to not feel like we have to compete. And, uh, I, I do see that shift. It's, um, I think it's really taken place, especially so in the last two years. Yeah, that's when um, the one group I'm part of, SWIM, which is part of the um, uh, music products industry, um, that's when they were formed about two years ago. And they, I'm actually right now in the middle of a, a leadership mastermind with them, like a group coaching kind of thing. We do uh, a meeting every other month. And it's it's been amazing to work with these women because we, you know, we bring you know, a question or an issue to the table that we're struggling with. And just to hear the, you know, we're all in different areas of the music products industry, but just to hear our, you know, different ideas of how we can, you know, how that person can, can solve this issue and, and move forward. And, you know, I brought something to the table a couple of weeks ago and, you know, people were just, the first thing they would say is I am so excited for you. And just to have that kind of energy was amazing. And I've started to see that in other, other groups too. I'm part of a, a Facebook group that's for women in the industry. And, you know, when it, when that's the first thing that, you know, they just say how excited they are for you and for your, you know, career change or, you know, your, your promotion or, or whatever it is, right. That's, it just, it makes you feel good inside. And then when you can help the other women too, it's, it's such a great feeling as well. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. So kind of winding down here, um, we're kind of coming to the close. Um, we talked about some things going on uh, in, in the future for you with the, the film project. Um, do you have anything else that's kind of coming up that you're working on that you're, you're looking forward to? Well, I hope, um, I, I hope to be on tour this summer. And I know that, you know, my booking agent is, is really kind of focused on, on getting those feelers out so far. The festivals ha are are neutral because they don't know if they're happening or not happening. But I would say I'm I'm working on it in the sense that we're making contacts and and hoping they happen. Once this movie is done, I probably will start looking at you know writing the screenplay for the second one just in in case, uh, just right. because it takes such a long time to get it done. So that's probably on my list. Oh, that's exciting! Yeah, and I I really hope that. Uh we can see you at festivals this year. <laughs> Do you have any, any resources that you'd recommend for other women looking to start in both in music or film um, or any, any kind of advice uh, for anyone looking to start in those uh, areas of the industry? I would say, uh, you know, 
when it comes to film, obviously there's a lot of organizations. There's the you know film catalog and the American film market that are always good to start diving into. Uh, there's also a lot of the filmmakers now that that on YouTube they have some channels and and talk about their experiences. My best advice though would be if you're wanting to tell a story that you should tell that story. And it's more about a film should be about telling a story. And, you know, I would write down what that story is. You, once you've gotten the story down, you always can get some help in how you craft it into an actual screenplay and, and where the elements and finding the right, you know, cameraman and, and if you needed a director or, or producer to help you, those are, those are easy to find. It's coming up with the actual story. That's the important part. So figure out what you're passionate about when it comes to your story. And then the rest will make much more sense. So that would be my, that would be my advice of somebody who's trying to, you know, get into the filmmaking industry is, is, uh, you know, that's, that's more important because you, once you know what you're trying to tell, the rest of the pieces, oh, okay, so now I want to learn how to do this and this and this so I can get this story done. Because even if you go to a film, you know, another filmmaker, they'll say, well, what, what do you want to do? You know, what, it, what is, let's, let's come up with an idea. And it's, it, they're all, you know, then you can build around that. Right. It's, it's kind of like, you know, I always, um, when I'm working with podcast clients, it's, what's your message and what's your why, right? Yes. Like, why are you doing this? Why do you want to speak to your audience? You know, um, you know, what's, what's the message that you want to get across? Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's, I think that's so important, you know, regardless of it's film or music or, you know, writing or podcasting, no matter what medium content medium it is. I think, you know, there's the book by Simon Sinek, um, which one is start with why. Yeah. And, and just, you know, why are you doing what you're doing? You know, take all the other factors out. Why, you know, and I, I always say, just keep, keep asking yourself why, you know, like a, like a kid, like, okay, but why? Okay. Right. But why? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, I think that's great advice, um, you know, for film and then for, for kind of anything else that you want to do um, with your career for sure. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And um, do you have any favorite books or podcasts that inspire you, inspire your, your music or your, your work and your know, in film? Well, I, I, I wouldn't say they inspire either one of them, but they give me great joy and they let me have a, a rest from thinking about other stuff. I love the author, uh, Aaron um, Hildenbrand, who is out of Nantucket and I go to Nantucket a lot and she writes these stories about Nantucket that just, it just, it, they're just fun. They just let you escape. And of course I love Nicholas Sparks because he's such romantic and I'm such a romantic. So those kinds of books just, you know, I, I love when I can truly get away from everything is when I feel like I can go back and be super creative again. Um, when it comes to podcasts, I'm not a huge podcast person, but when I do, I would gravitate towards like cooking podcasts because I like to cook. I'm Italian, so uh, I love to experiment. So um, there's a couple of podcasts like Gravy is Fun. 
Um, chewing is fun. Burnt toast is fun. <laughs> so those are all, you know, you, you listen to them and you just, oh, oh wait, I want to try that. I want to try that. So it, you know, and cooking is very similar to songwriting where you're just experimenting and seeing what happens at the end and, and how does it taste and, oh, and right. satisfaction in when you did it right <laughs> or made it taste well or, you know, my big problem is I can, I can make lots of things taste well. They just sometimes don't really look very good. Hey, for me, taste is the most important factor. <laughs> <laughs> um, do those podcasts, do they like have recipes so they Sometimes. talk about the recipe or, okay. Yeah. I haven't even they, thought to listen to, to, to cooking podcasts. I'm gonna have to check that genre out and see what else is out there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and some of it's funny. So it's, 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 it's good entertainment. Yeah. I'm, I'm vegetarian and some days I eat vegan. So I'm gonna have to definitely explore and see what's out there for, for those, um, uh, types of foods. So I feel sure there are probably a ton. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> There are podcasts out there for everything at this point. Exactly. Um, no, and I think too, you'd mentioned, you know, um, the books that you read and, and whatnot give you a break. And I think that's really important because you can't just keep going and going and going and you're going to lose that creativity. So I think in a way, you know, those books are kind of inspirational because it, it, it shuts off that part of your brain and you're just you know, focusing on something totally different and then you can get that inspiration back and get back into your creativity and, and whatnot. Yes. I, I, I fully agree with that. Yeah, no. And I, I do the same. I, I've made sure to, to shut off and just start reading fiction for, you know, I'm, I have my business books, but then I also um, have books that have nothing to do with the industry at all <laughs> and are just, you know, for entertainment and, um, you know, learn I'm, I'm big on history. So I, read a lot of books, um, you know, with the historical aspect to it. So, oh, nice. um, Outlander is one of my, my favorite. Yeah. Right yeah, now. yeah. Nice. So, um, you know, and you learn too, right. You, you learn about things that happened and it's interesting to see parallels from, you know, we always repeat history. Yes. Yeah. No new ideas. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, th I think that's great that you, you do that and you take time to shut off and, and get that inspiration and creativity back. Um, and one last question here before we go, where can my audience find and connect with you online? My best advice would be use my website, which is sidefxmusic.com because at the top of my website are all of my social media icons. And if you click on that, you will find my social media handles and you can follow or, you know, not follow, but I do post on pretty daily basis and, uh, you know, would love to connect to everybody there. Yeah. I'll, I'll share the link in the show notes. So everybody can find that. And I see you do have, um, you know, Spotify and other and SoundCloud as well. So, um, we'll, we'll have those on there too, so they can find your music. And this was awesome. Kim, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the Broken Glass Podcast. If you like the show and want to know more, visit www.brokenglassmediallc.com, subscribe to the podcast, and don't forget to leave a review. Join me each week to hear new stories, learn all about the tools and resources available to you, and get tips for building a career in music. If you're interested in becoming part of a community of supportive women in music, join our secret community on Facebook at the Broken Glass Collective.